Okay, good morning, everyone. I want to thank our uh, sponsors this morning, Zeldi and Benji Henner, in honor of the 95th birthday of their beloved grandfather, Egon Henner, and in honor of the BRS security team. And I'll add, Benji just had uh, some surgery. Should have a Shlema, a complete and speedy recovery. Very uh, grateful to them for their sponsorship. And it's so great to have them in our community. They moved recently. Okay, this week we have the privilege of reading Parshas Nitzavim. It's a short Parsha, but an action-packed Parsha. Very inspiring Parsha and a very timely Parsha. Because Nitzavim really, I've said about all of Sefer Dvarim, many have said long before me, but Nitzavim in particular is really a Musr Sefer, the Parsha itself. You don't have to open Mesil Sisharim or Shari Tshuva, you just have to listen to the Parsha of the Shabbos. Just uh, read the Parsha, listen with open ears, listen with an open heart. And the messages are so penetrating, they're so deep, and they're so powerful that hopefully they are also so transformative. We're on page 1086 in the Art Scroll Stone Chumash. The parsha begins, It reminds us, Moshe tells the people, you're all standing this day before Hashem, the leaders of your tribes, Roshechem, Shivtechem, Zeknechem, Shotrechem, Kol Yisrael, everyone, Tapchem, Neshechem, children, women, Gercha, Shreb, Bekerav, Machanecha, Mechotev, Eitzecha, Ad Shoev, Meimecha. From woodcutters and water carriers, you have the aristocracy, the wealthy, the prestigious, the less prestigious. This is all about our diversity and our unity. Everyone is represented. You're all here. Everyone is here. For the Jewish people to be functional, for HaKadosh Baruch Hu's vision for His world to be realized, it only can be fulfilled with a proper balance between our diversity and our unity, the recognition of all. Now, who is listed in this uh, wonderful list? Men, women, children, the heads of the tribes. But included or singled out is Gercha Asher Bekerav Machanecha, the convert who's in your camp. And I just want to spend one moment on this before we really get into the parsha, because I think it's very significant. Gercha Asher Bekerav Machanecha, the convert who is in your camp. I was talking recently. I have the uh, privilege of working with our regional Beisden for Conversion. We are a subsidiary of the Beisden of America, the RCA's umbrella, and uh, we run the South Florida Beisden for Conversion, and we meet regularly, a group of Rabbanim, pure volunteers, and uh, meet every single month. And we're involved uh, tomorrow, we're doing two conversions tomorrow, helping two people realize their dream of becoming Jewish before the new year, going into Rosh Hashanah as members of Klal Yisrael. So I was talking to someone we converted several years ago, last week, and very sadly, she was telling me about um, a boy she was dating, but whose family wouldn't really accept her, wouldn't really endorse the shidduch. Why? Because she's a convert. And it was so deeply troubling because not only are we enjoined to show love, avas Yisrael, to every Jew, but the most often repeated mitzvah in the entire Torah is v'yahavtimis hager, is the mitzvah, the obligation, the responsibility to be particularly sensitive and loving to the convert. Halavai, we should line up for the opportunity to make a shidduch, to welcome somebody who's chosen to be a Jew, somebody who had the freedom to only have to keep seven mitzvahs and takes upon themselves the yoke of 613, that we are born into it, but somebody who elects, last, I think it was last week's parasha class, I don't remember which classes anymore, but we spoke about the notion of hayom, of re-accepting Torah anew every day, and the Piazetzna Rebbe's dream, if only he could have converted to Judaism, says to the Ribbon so sad I was born a Jew, if I could have showed you my love, by choosing, by electing to become a Jew. So here Rabbi Salavechik points out in his Chumash, the new uh, Chumash that came out just 
recently on Sefer Dvarim that the Torah in this whole list, the Gerchasher Bekerav Machan, it doesn't say, and the Tamidi Chachamim, and the Grace at Tzadikim, and the Tzidkanios, the Tehillim Zoggers, and the people who say Tikkun Chatzos, and the people who shuckle the hardest, and the people who. It doesn't give that in the list. Who does it single out in this list? Atem Nitzavim Hayom. Look around. Know whom you're standing with. And before God you connect with. And who's listed, who's singled out? Gercha asher bekerav machanecha. Writes the Rav, a convert is considered to be a Jew in every way. He too must receive both types of sanctity. That of the patriarchs and the sanctity of the self. In the previous piece, which I'm not reading to you, the Rav talks about, that we are all, we all have a relationship with Hashem because of a dual responsibility. As descendants of ancestors who entered a contract with Hashem, we turn to our Abbas and Imaos, our patriarchs and matriarchs, but also individually and independently, we've developed our own relationship. Elokeinu, velokeavoseinu. We begin the Amida every day. You are our God, velokeavoseinu, and also the God of our forefathers. So even the converts included in that dual relationship, having earned his own relationship with Hashem, but also having a relationship through ancestors. So you'll ask, how can a convert assume the sanctity of the patriarchs? He doesn't descend. He goes on Ancestry.com or whatever uh, genealogical uh, website, gets whatever uh, email from the family who keeps you uh, abreast of all the recent uh, simchas and birthdays and the like. And he doesn't connect. He's not on our family tree. She's not on our family tree. So how can they legitimately or accurately say, Velokeavoseinu? Where's the covenant of the patriarchs? Says the Rav from the precept based on the Pasuk, because Avram Avinu was made an Av Hamon Goyim, ah, he's the father of many nations. It has been ruled that a convert should pray to Hashem with the standard formula. Upon converting, the convert fully assumes the heritage of sanctity which belongs to all of Israel as an integral part of the nation concerning whom it is written, for you are a holy people to Hashem. A convert assumes sanctity of the self by accepting upon himself the yoke of the commandments. Through this acceptance, he undergoes a reenactment, an assemblage which explicitly included Gercha Asher Bekerav Machanecha. The Ramban on the Torah suggests that even later converts were included in the covenant made with every individual as part of the congregation of Israel. Otherwise, the convert would lack one of the two types of sanctities which distinguish the Jew. Such exclusion is not possible. Converts judged by the same laws as every other Israelite. So the convert is equally included. There's a beautiful Zohar which says that every convert's soul actually was present at Har Sinai. Kodesh Baruch Hu's timeless understands which souls were destined to make the extraordinary choice of joining the Jewish people. Those souls too were present at Har Sinai, which is another explanation or defense of why they're entitled to see themselves as part of, of uh, Kerav Machanecha. They're part of the calculation of Atem Nitzavim Hayom Kuchem of those who are standing before us. So it's just a reminder that Gerach Hashem Bekerav Machanecha the convert is called out that we have to be especially sensitive, loving, accepting, warm, and eager to enable to integrate all of those uh, wonderful, wonderful people who have uh, converted and who inspire us. Rashi on this opening pasuk, I probably mention this to our Torah every year. If you've been in this class, you notice that I have some favorite divrei Torah that every year encounter that parsha. To me, it informs that parsha. It inspires me. So Rashi here says that we stood before Hashem. It's not the first Rashi. It's a few Rashi's in. I'll tell it to you outside. And Rashi says, isn't it amazing? What's the connection, the smichas parshios? What's the juxtaposition, the end of last week's parsha? We had the tochacha, the harsh rebuke 
In the beginning of this week's parasha, Moshe says, You're all standing here. So Rashi says, what happens? The people say, Moshe, did you hear that? What you just delivered to us, what you just transmitted, was essentially a threat from Hashem. Who can meet his expectations? Who will survive? We're all going to suffer. We're going to suffer the tochacha, the heinous, graphic consequence of disobeying Hashem. Who can survive? To which Moshe turns and says, Ah, relax. You've blown it before and here you are standing today. So clearly you did okay. You made it till now. You're good. And the Mepharshim point out, is Moshe Rabbeinu calling the Rebona Shalom's bluff? This is like a parent says, look, if you do this one more time, one more time, you're not going to... One of my heroes, I won't mention his name because I won't embarrass him, a member of our shul. I'll tell you the story, that's why he's my hero. Because only he would do this. Only he would actually pull this off. Took his kids to Disney when they were young and they were fighting the whole way. And finally, as they're pulling into the park, which you spend extraordinary money to buy tickets and to pay for the parking pass and to make the arrangements. As they're pulling into the park, he says, if you fight one more time, if I hear one more time a fight from the back seat, I'm turning this car around. I'm not doing it. I'm not spending the day or days with you. So they pull into the parking lot, they pull into the spot, and the kids in the fight in the back get into another fight. He, without turning the car off, he puts the car in reverse and drives back to Boca. He's my hero. My total hero. So he's my hero because he actually did it. I tell you, next time he said, if you fight one more time, I guarantee his kids did not fight again. I can guarantee it. So what happens with most parents? We say, you do it one, one more time. I'm going to take away your technology. You're going to be in timeout. You're not going to the party. I'm not... And the older brother looks at the younger brother and says, ah, we've heard that before. They always say that the one more time. So Moshe Rabbein is telling us, ah, the tochacha, you're standing here today, you're good, you're breathing, it's all good. Don't relax, don't worry, it's not so terrible. Because Moshe is calling the out the Rebona Shalom's bluff? How could it be? Moshe is the mouthpiece of Hashem. Moshe is the one who encourages the word of Hashem. From a first point out, what was Moshe telling him? Chalila, he wasn't calling Hashem's bluff. He's not undermining Hashem. What was Moshe Rabbeinu saying? Do you know when the tochacha applies? When you're a group of individuals, when you're isolated, when you're apart, when you're separate. When each of you is measured alone, you come before Hashem and you fail and you disobey Him, you neglect Him, you don't meet the expectations of Him. So then, the harsh tochacha, the harsh rebuke, that's going to be your consequence. But if, atem nitzavim ayom kochem, if you stand together today, if you come together as a community, Kaddish Baruch Hu will judge you differently because we complement one another and we supplement one another and we rise together as one. And then, look, then we will be able to surpass even the threat of the Tochacha. He wasn't calling Hashem's bluff nor undermining Him. He was saying, when does the Tochacha apply? When do you have to fear? When you're alone. But if you connect and combine with community. And that's what all the Mepharshim say. What's the Hayom is Rosh Hashanah? You're standing Hayom. Come to community. Be part of community. Be involved in community. And when we do, that's when we can triumph in Din. That's when we can triumph. But I saw another Pshat this year. So that's the Dvar Torah I quote every single year. But I saw another Pshat. Which is that what Moshe Rabbeinu was telling them is that Hashem is forgiving. The Tochach is true. When Hashem says that He meant it. But you know what? We're about to invoke the Yud Gimel Midos. We've started saying Slichos. Hashem, Hashem, Kearacham, Vachanan, and so on. We don't just say them. The Gemara Hashem doesn't say Imru Lefanai. It says Ya'asu Lefanai. 
don't just repeat the 13 attributes of Hashem, imitate them. Walk in His ways. And among those attributes of Hashem is He's Rav Chesed, He's Nosei Avon Vafesha, He's Kerachum Vachanun, He's Erech Apayim, He's slow to anger, He's forgiving. To take the time, the Tomer Dvora, the Sefer Tomer Dvora, goes through each of these attributes and explains they're not pure synonyms. What do they each mean? The deep beauty and the deep meaning of each of them. But we have a mandate of a halachta bidrachav with ladav kabo. We have to cling to Hashem. We walk in His way. We emulate Him. If we want to succeed this time of year, then we should mold and shape our lives to be more like Hashem. And maybe what Rashi is saying at the beginning of this parsha is that when we imitate Hashem by being forgiving and by being foregoing and not standing on ceremony and not necessarily always following through. I'm not talking about parenting now because parenting is really important to follow through. You can't make empty threats. But it means in the relationship with our lives, not to be so, so calculating, such accountants keeping a spreadsheet, but rather to be forgiving. We spoke about last week in Ashir on anger. Not to be accountants who have a spreadsheet of everyone who always hurt me and the people who always injured me and who, didn't, who, who gave a, a present to my children that was less money than the present I gave their children and the simcha and the family invitations, how many times I had them versus how many times they had me. If we're forgiving, Hashem will be forgiving of us. If we're forgoing of kavod, if we don't stand on ceremony, Hashem won't stand on ceremony with us. And maybe that's what the beginning of our parasha. Moshe wasn't calling Hashem's bluff, but Moshe was reminding us that we should be like Hashem. That enable people to stand before us, give a second chance, that despite the threat of a tochacha, that they can somehow nevertheless go on. The parasha is very short. It warns against idolatry. We have the... Uh, prediction that ultimately we will return. We've spoken about it at length in the past. You could listen online on Yu Torah um, at length about this prediction, Ki lecha, that we're going to return, Vashivosa, Vishavta Ad Hashem Alokecha. Ad. Vishavta Ad. Is it Ad Va'ad Bechlal? Ad Velo Ad Bechlal. You're going to return Ad until just before, not all the way. What does that mean? That's what we discussed in the past. As I said, you can listen online. And we have the makor for the mitzvah of tshuva, the makor for the idea of vidui. Lo bashamayimi, mi alelanu hashamayimah. Where is it? Beficha uvelvavcha. The Ramban says, Beficha. So what's Beficha? Vidui. When we confess, when we articulate our mistakes, when we express remorse for it in the past and regret, when we make a commitment going forward in the future. What I want to study together, this week we're going to actually get to our psukim, is the end of the parsha. It's on page 1092 in the Art Scroll, Stone Chumash. And uh, it's Perak Lamed, Pasuk Tezvav. The end of the parasha. Perak Lamed, Pasuk Tezvav. Reina sati lefanecha ayom esachayim v'yasatov v'yasamaves v'yasarah. As I said, this is a Musr Sefer. It's a Musr Sefer. I've placed before you today Life and good and death and evil. I command you today to love Hashem, to walk in His ways, to observe His commandments. And then you will live and you will multiply. You're about to go into this land. And if you want to inhabit it, you want to live a long life, a blessed life, a rich life, not materially rich, but meaningfully rich then you need to embrace and fulfill and follow through on the formula that Hashem has given. But if you turn your heart and you're not going to listen 
and you're led astray, you're going to worship celebrities and athletes and money and style and fashion. You're going to assimilate your values into the host nation, to the secular culture, into society. So listen to me, I am telling you today, I am making you a promise, says Moshe. Listen and listen carefully. If that's what you do, you will disappear. You will be lost. You're not going to have longevity. You're not going to live a long life. Are we not sadly seeing this prediction come true in our lives? We had a panel on Motzei Shabbos, a community conversation with rabbis called Behind the Parochas, Life in the Rabbinate. Ben Friedman did a great job. We went through a gazillion questions, our panel of rabbis. And uh, one of the questions that he asked was about how we see the future. And we were talking about the levels of assimilation, or I think he asked us to summarize in one word what gives us the most fear about the future for the Jewish people. And each of us gave our answer. What's the biggest threat? And I said it's freedom. Freedom has given us incredible opportunity in bracha, and it's also, it's also creating unprecedented challenges. Because when the rest of the world reminded us we were Jews through pogroms and inquisitions and expulsions, not that we welcome it or want it, God forbid, God forbid, but they didn't, they didn't give us the opportunity. We didn't have the chance to, to assimilate, to integrate. That wasn't an option. That wasn't an alternative. And in America, we are accomplishing more than Hitler ever dreamt of. Because there's a disappearance of American Jewry. The statistics and the data all show. It's exactly, Moshe says, I promise you that what happens, if you don't listen to what makes you uniquely Jewish, and you assimilate your values, and you want to fit in, and you want to be like everybody else, and you, your priorities, and your life choices, and your judgment is all influenced by the people around you, you will be lost. You're going to be lost, and we're losing our people. Sadly, tragically. The heavens and the earth testify today. We're going to go through this all in a moment. I place life and death before you. Blessing and curse. Choose life. Everyone's stumbling around looking for happiness. And I'm giving you the formula. I've placed it before you, says Hashem. I'm telling you how to interact with food and time and relationships and sexuality and morality and fashion and modesty. I've given you the formula. Choose life. You want meaning and purpose and fulfillment? Not pleasure and not making it easy. We've said countless times, a life of Torah, a life of observance doesn't take away the challenges of loneliness and fertility, of illness, of disease, of financial crisis, but it gives us the tools to navigate them. Choose life. Love Hashem, listen to His voice. Cling to Him. Hashem says, stick with me. You could ignore me, pretend I don't exist, and try to figure it out on your own. And you know what? You're going to get addicted to substances. You're going to be searching for happiness. You're going to be empty inside. It's your life. It's your longevity. These last psukim of Parshas Netzavim, not a Musr Sefer, not an incredible reminder of how to calibrate and align our lives. Unbelievable. So let's go back and take a look. Reina Satlefanecha. Shem says, look, see, I've placed before you today Chaim Vitov, life and good, Mavas and Ra. What are each of these things? So Rashi says, it's a Chaim Vesatov, one depends on the other. If you do good, 
then you are really alive, you have life. And if you do poor, bad, so what's bothering Rashi? Every Rashi you read, Rashi's answering a question. There's a book, a series of books called What's Bothering Rashi? Rashi's always answering a question. Something was bothering him, something provoked or stimulated his comment. His comment is not a comment, it's an answer. And he usually omits the question. It's up to us to figure out what was bothering him, what was his question, and he's giving an answer. So what was his question? Oh, why is the order a question? Who said that? Why is the order a question? Oh, the contrast. It's not set up properly as a contrast. How should the Pasuk be presented if it's properly contrasting these things? Chaim, ve, I place before you life or death, good or bad. That was good. Well done, people. Getting ready. Chaim v'mavas, tovarah. It's not, it, doesn't, it doesn't stylistically work. It doesn't create a contrast. It should be, I place before you life or death, not life and good. Evil and, and death, death and evil. So why did he present it in this way? So look at the Sifsei Chachayim. Sifsei Chachayim is a commentary on Rashi. So Sifsei Chachayim writes, Kashul Rashi ayalomar, davar v'chilufo, esachayim esamavas, atov esarak, edavisamach. In a few pesukim and pasuk yotes, look pasuk yotes, that's how we have it there. So why doesn't he present it here as contrast, as opposites? Juxtapose what do you mean life and death? They're not up to us. Everything, everything's in Hashem's hands. Everything. So why is the Pasuk presenting as if we have free will, as if we have free choice? Because we do. What's the one thing we have free will about? I wrote about it. We put out our second volume of Yadrim, the Torah journal of the Dr. Yitzhak Belzan based Medrash of BRS. We're grateful to our sponsors. Thick volume. Baruch Hashem, many articles from prestigious Tamid HaChachamim, Gedolei Yisrael, and... Local, otherwise people. So I wrote an article about Yirah Shemaim, and we referenced this Gemara. Everything's in Hashem's hands. The only choice we make, the only choice, we don't get to choose how tall, how short, our IQ, our memory, how athletic, how artistic. We don't get to choose whether we're born in the, the 20th or the 21st century, or we were born in the 14th or 15th century, were we born in Eastern Europe or in America or South America time of persecution, a time of freedom. We don't get to choose. All these things predispose our entire lives. So much of our life is pre-programmed based on the talents, the skills, the character traits, the DNA that we were given, the socioeconomic status that we're born into. So much of our lives are pre-programmed. What's the only choice that we make? What's left? What's left? On the one hand, it's disheartening because we think we're choosing. We're not choosing barely anything about our lives. It's all pre-designed. What's the one thing we're choosing? What do I do with all of that? What do I do with that? What I've been predisposed, the talents, the gifts, the skills, the situation, the status. What am I doing with it all? The meaning, the fulfillment, the life I live, the Yerushalayim component, that's the thing I choose. That's what I endow my life with. So says Rasha, the Sif Sechachamim, that's what the Pasuk is telling me. What am I choosing? What I'm choosing is 
Chaim. If I choose life, meaning a life that includes Yerushalayim, if the decisions of my life are calculated based on what does Hashem want from me? What is He asking of me? What will give Him nachas ruach? What will make Him proud? Then, as Hatov, then I have good. And as Hamavas V'yasara. It's not talking about literally life and death. Because, by the way, who in the world chooses death? Who chooses death? Khalila, the people with mental illness who choose death. And we call that mental illness, mental disability. But a healthy person who chooses death. So it doesn't mean to literally choose death. It means that you could be dead while you're alive and you could be alive long after you die. Long after you die. In uh, the Mishpacha magazine coming out for Rosh Hashanah, I have an article where I tell the story of Yecheved's grandfather who was in the concentration camp. He had a special relationship in his barrack with the Chusta Rav who kept him alive. It's a whole other story. I once asked Yecheved's grandfather died shortly before his 99th birthday. And I asked him, early in his 90s, when he was a young man, I asked him, yamim. Why do you think, Zaidi, why did you merit to live a long life? How did you live a long life? Why do you think you merited to live a long life? So he told the story of when he was beaten by the Nazis and he made his way back to the barrack. He always couldn't see out of one eye and he walked with a limp. He carried those injuries his whole life. And he was ready to give up. He wanted to throw himself on the barbed wire. He couldn't imagine living another moment. Nechus Rav, who was in his barrack, stayed up with him all night, giving him chizuk, giving him support and encouragement, and said to him, you'll see, you'll see, the Nazis will be a distant memory. And you? Said, you'll see, you'll merit to live a long life, to survive, to have children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren who will serve Hashem. And Chava, that's exactly what happened. So anyway, he told the story that uh, one, one night in the concentration camp, it was Kol Nidre night, the Chustarov realized and invited some people to a barrack late at night. He was going to lead Kol Nidre. And he got up before they started davening. Got up before Kol Nidre. And he asked the following question. We say, This time of the year, the books of life and the books of death are open before you. Everyone knows that Gemara. Everyone knows it's the most moving part of the davening in the of the imagery of the books of life and the books of death and which one will be inscribed with. Who will live and who will die and how will we live and how will we die. And he asked, why does it say Sifrei Chaim and Sifrei Mason? Isn't it one book of life and one book of death? Sefer Chaim and Sefer Mason. Why Sifrei? Why does it say the books? And he looked at this barrack full of skeletons, full of people who were barely alive. And he said to them, because there's not one way to live and one way to die. You could live with freedom and prosperity. You could live in these camps, prisoners and slaves. You could merit to die in a deathbed surrounded by family. You can die in a gas chamber and be burnt in a crematorium. And he said, let us daven that if we're alive, we merit real life. And that if we're destined to die, we merit, we merit a meaningful, respectful death. And with that, he turned to this barrack of skeletons and they began kol nidre. They began kol nidre. There's more to the story, but for another time. The Alshech already asked that question. Sifre Chaim, Sifre Mesim. Why does it say both? So I suggest the answer is because there's more than one book of life and there's more than one book of death. You could be alive, you could be dead while you're alive. There are people who are sleepwalking through life. There are people who forfeited all meaning of life. 
There are people whose priorities are misaligned in life. There are people who are dead even while they're alive. And there are people who left such an impact with their lives. There are people who planted such seeds, who gave such investments that they're drawing the returns. They're, that which they planted, their saplings are sprouting and blossoming long after they're gone. They live long after they're gone. They're Sifrei Chaim and Sifrei Mesim because ultimately the question is which book of life and which book of death are we writing ourselves into? Which one are we writing ourselves into? And there's a lot more to say about that. So Achaim Vatov, if we write ourselves into the book of really being alive, a meaningful life, a rich life, a selfless life, a giving life, a God-centric life, then Hatov, then we have goodness, then we have happiness, then we have joy. But you can be dead while you're alive. A selfish life is a life of death. A self-centered life. A life in which you've eliminated the Ribbono Shalom. I'll tell you another beautiful insight I saw from Rav Zilberstein. He quotes a sefer, Meir Eina Yisrael, a sefer about the Chavetz Chaim. That towards the end of the Chavetz Chaim's life, the Chavetz Chaim was frail, and he wasn't davening in the yeshiva in Raden. They made a minion for him in his home. But on one of the days of Rosh Hashanah, at the end of his life, he said, I have something to say. I want to come into the base Medrash, and I just want to say one quick message. So the Chavetz Chaim, Charlie, Charlie, do me a favor. The Chavetz Chaim made an effort, and they took him to the base Medrash, and he came into the base Medrash to just deposit, to just say this one thing. What was the one thing that he wanted to say? What are the words that we change in our Amida for Aser Simei Over and over, Zachrein L'chaim, Melech Hafez B'chaim. We ask Hashem, Zachrein L'chaim, remember us, remember us for life. Melech Hafez B'chaim, God who loves life, who wants life. You want life, Hashem. Lo amesem yehalaluka. We do not, we don't long for, pine for, admire death. We don't celebrate death. Those are evil, evil cultures. We know them because they're our enemies and adversaries. They celebrate death. We live for and celebrate life. Why? Because we learn from Hashem. He's Melech Hafez B'chaim. Hashem loves life. He wants us to be alive. He wants our souls to be housed in our bodies, to be able to express free will, to make choices which yield a relationship with Him which are meaningful. So Chavetz Chaim, with every ounce of energy he had left, a frail, old, individual, tzaddik, he gets up in the base Medrash and he says, Zachrein Lachaim, Hashem, remember us for life. What kind of life? What kind of life are we asking for? We're asking for a life that's a melech hafetz b'chaim. We're asking for the life that the melech hafetz b'chaim, the life that Hashem, that the King wants of us. Mevakshim sug shachayim, sh'amelech hafetz b'chaim, hafetz v'rotza b'chaim. Which type of life do we want? Not the life with the most money, the biggest, the nicest car. Not the life with the most vanity and the most beauty and the most plastic surgery. Not the life with the most pleasure and the most happiness and the, most, the, the best single malt scotch and the finest cigar and the most expensive wine. What's the chayim? What are we alive? What are we living for? We're living to live a life that is a melech hafetz b'chayim. That's a life that Hashem would love that a melachafetz, that Hashem longs for, that's the life that we, are, that we are trying to live. And that's what the end of the parsha is telling us. Let's keep looking at these mefarshim. Says the Ibn Ezra, Chaim, Orech Yomim. We want longevity. Hatov, Ba'ushir, Briyas, Aguf, Akavod. We want wealth and health and honor. Va'amavas, Va'harai, Hepech. 
death and evil are the opposite. And therefore, what do we need to do? To love Hashem Alechas Bidrachav. This is why Hashem gave us all of this to be able to connect with Him. Look at this incredible Kliyakar. Kliyakar says, Why does it say choose Chaim and Tov? Isn't it by choosing Tov that it results in Chaim? If you live a good life and you make the right choices, then you merit life. So shouldn't it say Tov before Chaim? Why does it say Chaim and then Tov? Don't do good so that you merit living. Live so that you can do good. That's what the Pasuk saying. It doesn't say, I give you good, do good so that you merit to live. It says, Why? Live to do good. Live to do good. Live to do the right thing. Don't ask for life so you could seek more pleasure. Ask for life, live so you could do more good, so you can have a greater impact, so that you could better transform the world, so that you could better illuminate the world and dispel the darkness. Who's a person who longs for life? Why do you love days? You want life. Why do we want life? Why do we want longevity? Why do we want health? We want it all to be able to not live more self-centered lives, but more selfless lives. More mission-driven lives. Greater lives where we can impact the world. The only reason you're alive, Rabbah Emunasecha, you woke up this morning, God has faith in you, and the only reason you're alive, it's not just to make it to the end of the day, it's not to win at Mahjan or break your record in golf. That's not why we're alive. Which restaurant to go to for dinner? The whole reason we're alive is to fulfill our mission, is to have that impact, is to make that difference, is to do tov, is to be good and to do good. And then you'll be alive and you'll multiply. But later it says you'll be alive and you and your children. The truth is it goes both ways, says the Kliyakar. When you love Hashem, then you long to live for the right reasons. When you long to live for the right reasons, then you'll live a life in which you are giving expression to Hashem's mission, Hashem's vision for His world. And Chas Shalom says, the Kliyaka, we don't do the opposite. Keep reading. But if, you, if your heart is distracted, you're not listening. And you go and you worship all these other foreign influences. How does it happen? What's the formula? How do you start to be? How do you start to go astray? It begins with Yifne Levavcha. What happens? Says the Kliyakar. Batala. You waste time on the internet. You read mindless things. 
You binge watch Netflix, Narishkite, nonsense, garbage, trash. You're watching whatever the world says you're supposed to watch or be into. The award ceremonies that admire people who, whatever. So what happens? It begins with Yifne Levavcha. You waste your time. You waste your energy. You waste your, your, your priorities, what you care about. You follow foolishness. So then what is... Your head gets filled with v'nidachti. You're going to go astray. And then you start caring about and serving the wrong things. And that's why Chazal tell us, the Mishnah Novos tells us, that a person who wastes their time is liable for their life. Because if you don't fill your time with meaningful activity, if it gets filled then with nonsense. If you don't wake up in the morning and have a goal, what am I doing today? There's the shir I go to, then I volunteer, then I call certain people to check in on them, then I spend meaningful time with friends, then I read something that inspires me. You've got to have an agenda, an itinerary to your day that fills your day with meaning. Because of your mevatel, if you nullify your day, if you just clear out your heart, you wake up every day, you don't know what you're doing. So in the vacuum that's created of space, it gets filled with nonsense and narishkeit and trash and garbage. And the next thing you know, you're assimilated, you lose your priority, you lose your anchor of what matters, of what's important. And then what happens is you wake up one day and you don't even recognize who you are. You don't even recognize the life you're living. And so instead, a person has to proactively fill the time, says the Kliyakar, with the most meaningful life and the most meaningful activity. Rashi says, The heavens and the earth will testify to everything I'm telling you. Look at Rashi. Why the heavens? Why is Moshe invoking the heavens and the earth? To offer testimony, to back and support everything he's saying. Why is he invoking the heavens and the earth? So Rashi says, you know why? Because heavens and earth are always here. They've been here since the beginning and they'll be here till the end. They've seen it all come and go. They've seen the fads and the fashions. They've seen everything that passed. And they understand the truth. The truth which surpasses them all. So when you go astray, when you make that mistake, when you experiment with other pleasures of the world, heaven and earth are going to testify that I warned you. I've got two witnesses, says Moshe. Two witnesses to testify that I cautioned you, that I warned you. Be vigilant. Don't allow a vacuum or emptiness in your schedule and your time. Fill it with meaning. That's the first shot. Second shot is beautiful. Says the Ribbon Shalom, take a look up. Has the sun ever failed you? I created the sun to serve you. Has the sun ever risen late, set early? Does that ever not do its job? Look at the ground, the earth, the soil. You ever plant something and it didn't grow? You plant wheat and barley grew instead? Did it ever fail you? Just like I created them to serve you and they faithfully serve you, they have never failed you, I created you to serve me. And just like they are constants, they never fail. They never make excuses. They never come late. They never fail to show up or produce. So too I created you to serve me and take a lesson from heaven and earth. Follow their example. 
Because if you look, Kiddush Levana, the Kiddush Levana that we recite, Motzei Shabbos, whenever you recite it, preferably Motzei Shabbos, when we're wearing our big day Shabbos. So in Kiddush Levana, when we look up at that moon and we make a bracha, it's exactly what we say and it's exactly what it's meant to remind us. We make the bracha, with his word, with his utterance, he created the heavens. I mentioned yesterday my daughter's vort. Why is a vort called a vort? The word vort means word. Some say because both sides give their word. They're going to follow through on the wedding. Some say it's called a vort because you share divrei Torah. Vortlach. But I saw such a beautiful explanation. It's called a vort because you're tempted to give credit to the shadchan, to the virtues of each side. You want to celebrate whatever it is that brought them together that you're going to give credit. So why do we call it a vort? Because shakon niye bidvaro. Everything that exists is bidvaro with Hashem's word. Hashem spoke, Baruch She'amar, Vahaya Olam. So this shidduch too is the result not of a shadchan and not of a well-crafted resume or one of wonderful photoshopping pictures. My daughter didn't need a picture or she didn't need a photoshop. They didn't even have a resume. Baruch Hashem, they had great siyata deshmaya. But we call it a vort because we're giving credit to the one to whom we say, Shakon Yebid Varo. To the Baruch She'amar, Vahaya Olam. Vort means a word. That this shidduch also is the result of his word. So that's the bracha we make in Kiddush Levana. With his word. And we look up at the moon and we say, Hashem created the heavens and the earth, the constellations, He created it all, and He gave them an assignment. And you can look in your phone at an app, and you can predict in 5,000 years from now exactly what time the sun's going to come up, what time it's going to go down, and guess what? It's never late. It never has an excuse. It never fails to show up. They never change their mission. Lo yishanu is tafkidam, and we're supposed to be the same way. Shlo yishanu is tafkidam, to not change our mission. We look at the sun, the moon, the constellations, and we are reminded that we have a mission. And says Rashi, that's what Moshe is telling them. Did they ever make excuses? Did they ever fail you? And guess what? The heavens and the earth, they don't have systems of reward and punishment. When the sun succeeds in coming up when it was supposed to, does it get a reward? If it ever failed, God forbid, would it, would it get a punishment? The heavens and the earth, nature does what it was designed and designated and programmed to do, and it doesn't do it for reward and punishment. And we, who get reward or punishment, Allah has kama v'kama, all the more so, all the more so, have to dispense with the excuses and do what we were designed and meant to do. Uvacharta v'chaim says Rashi. So we are to choose life. And imora lachem shet tivcharu b'chelak hachaim. Ka'adam ha'omer levno l'chavero b'char la... So imagine you say to your friend, I have all these things, I'm giving them away, come, take whatever you want. But here, take this, this is the best stuff. This is the best I have. Because Baruch says, choose, choose from anything. You can choose from anything. You can live whatever kind of life you want. You can lead a hedonistic, decadent, corrupt life. But I'm telling you, you can choose anything you want, but here's the good stuff. You want the best stuff? Here, take this. Take this. This is the good stuff. That's what a Kodesh Baruch Hu is, is telling us. And how do we do that? By clinging to Him. By clinging to Him. Everything you do, say, what does Hashem want from me right now? Am I giving Him Nachas Ruach? Am I making Him proud through my choice, through my behavior, through my action? The source of eternal life is by clinging to Hashem in this world. Involve Him in your decisions. Talk to Him. 
Be grateful to Him. Feel His hand on your shoulder. Cling to Him. Stick with Him. And you'll be choosing eternity. By doing so, we will be choosing eternity and we will be meeting the very purpose for which we were created. The Vishnu Tzarebbe, the Imre Chaim, says that our parsha, all the references to Hayom are talking about Rosh Hashanah. Hayom, Hayom Haras Olam. Hayom, 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 Hayom. Whenever you see Hayom, it's talking about Rosh Hashanah. Temitavim Hayom. We are on the eve of Rosh Hashanah. And that's what our parsha's message is to us. Every time we see it. So he says, Reina Sati Lafanecha Hayom Asachayim Esatov. Hayom is Rosh Hashanah. Yom Hadin, Haskula Hayosetov, the Hamtakas Hadinim. What is the skula in order to sweeten Hashem's judgment? Is Chuva Me'ava. Don't just respond out of fear, out of awe, but rather out of love. Shemapecha Sedonas Luzchuyus Memela Ain Makam Hadinim Klau. Lefanecha Hayom Esachayim is Begamatria Chuva Me'ava. I'll let you do the math. Lefanecha Hayom Esachayim is Chuva Ava. But the best, way, the best way to choose life is not just to live in fear, is not to do what's right because otherwise we'll be punished, but to do it because we want a relationship. Do it out of a deep sense of love to Hashem and love and love with Hashem. The uh, Rav, one last comment. Choosing life. So the Rav says, the imperative of tshuva is predicated upon the concept of free will. Man's unfettered choice to engage in either righteous or evil conduct. The term in the Torah for the concept is Bechira, Uvacharta. But elsewhere in the Torah Shabbat Peh, we say it's Rishus. The two terms have different concepts, and we've talked about this before. The free will, Bechira, is from, is from limited choices. But Rishus, Nasuna Lechol Adam, Rishus means it's limitless. We have limitless possibility in our lives, but what kind of lives we'll lead is entirely up to us. Hopefully we'll choose lives. Choose lives that are consistent with the Melech B'chafetz B'chaim, the very lives that Hashem wants of us. We produced a pamphlet of 12 Divrei Torah on the Yom Narayim. They're available in the lobby. Please help yourself on the way out. Hopefully they'll enhance your, and enrich your Yom Tovim. We're off next week. It's Rosh Hashanah morning. I'll be here, but not giving a Parsha class. It's outside in the lobby, Divrei Torah. So wishing everyone a Ksivach Simatayva, good Gebenj Jor, should answer, all of our hearts desire only for the best. Amen.